listening to The Net Live with Barney. You used to wear some tight underwear, Cameron. And DJ Ruscha. You get to call yourself buff all the time. Where's Pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show today. All this travel and plane and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And we'll talk about uh, all kinds of non-volleyball related things. He dated Irene Kara. Gabrielle Reese. You can call me Gabby if you want. The only thing missing is a mascot head. Oh, sack does sound a lot more funny. <laughs> it's the Net Live right now. Can I be here for 15 minutes and then go elsewhere? Uh, only if I can, too. Sweet. Welcome to Net Live, 15-minute edition. <laughs> Probably would be our best show ever. <laughs> we should do it. Net Live Small Bites. The most listeners, greatest <laughs> TNL of all time. We should have Net Live Small Bites. Like, if you just wanted a couple minutes of us and then you wanted to jump out. Like, what any- topic? Does anybody really want... Just a couple minutes of just us. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> no, maybe. there's another human in your house. Kay? Yes, she lives here now. She does. Hello. It's my bionic wife. Yeah. Hip replacement in place. And she, then she's up. Oh, look, she's nice. doing her rockets. She team. can now jump higher, run faster. Yes, that's all correct. All that stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we can rebuild her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good thing she's not looking like Lee Majors. That would be a little weird. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Net Live, boys and girls. Kevin Barnett alongside DJ Jeremy Ruscha. We wish we'd get Rich Lamborn back, but he is on the way back from uh, Australia. Or maybe he's already back. We don't know. He could be in a weight room somewhere they down might in Orange County. Have, are they playing in Doha? Oh, they might just be doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Headed to Doha. So he is somewhere amongst the globe, but not here. However, we do have here... College Football Weekly coming up at 11 o'clock. I need to let those guys know. Unless you could text them. Uh, and also Jeff Nygaard of USC, now uh, head coach there in his, I want to say third season, but I feel like I feel like it might have been longer. Like it might be his fourth season and this is my life just blowing by me. Because I was looking at his bio and I wanted to see, all right, how many years has it been now? Let's see here. Jeff Nygaard. Three years already, so this is fourth year. Yeah, wow, one extra year more yes. than I had thought. But Jeff Nygaard is going to be on the show here at about ten thirty. We'll talk to him about USC. Had a couple of big wins. The Pac twelve Big Ten Challenge happened this past weekend at Galen Center. It was uh, it was good Friday night. Lots of volleyball. There's a lot of volleyball going on this weekend then, because there was a huge beach event in Manhattan Beach. As there well. was East West. East versus West or something like that. Oh, the college thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I'd gone down to that, but super busy. Building super. things. Yeah. See, uh, since WorkbenchCon, you have been upping your Big Barn Design Instagram page. Yeah, I've been on it more. Lots more flannel shirts. <laughs> well, that's the standard go-to for me anyway. True. <laughs> and I was wondering, did anyone at WorkbenchCon think this guy stepped in here and just started wearing flannels? Just because he's at WorkbenchCon? Uh, no, I wear no, flannels on the regular. Yeah. True. So, a, it's not a tall, slim tee flannel, though, is it? This is not. They don't hmm. make flannels yet. They yeah. have some nice shirts that yet. have flannel prints, but it's not like a flannel weight. Well, I'm just a little disappointed you're not wearing a V-neck underneath your... Oh, is it not a V-neck today? No. Oh, man. That's really... That's more your broadcast style? Yeah. When you're in yeah. professional I mode dress up. Yeah. at the beach? <laughs> I'm going to wear the uh, small V-neck. Classy V. Yeah, I'm into it. Somebody wants to know if when we're going to have Casey back on the show. 
He's more than welcome to come back on whenever he wants. <laughs> when when he has news to report. Uh, we we let's talk about that before we talk about Sydney. I went through P1440's app this morning because it just caught my attention on my page. This is really what we're doing today. Well, okay. And I talked to a player who's in the training groups mm-hmm. this morning. She has been told, whether we have events or not, the training groups will continue. Okay. I find the first half of that sentence very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been kind of a pivot to juniors. The only thing they've announced so far is the rise side of things, which yep. is no surprise considering Albie's involvement and Albie's previous pivots juniors with NVL. To me, it makes a lot of sense. Albert Hanneman. Yes. That's who you're referring to, correct? Thank you, yes. I looked through their feed. It's all volleyball posts. I think we've mentioned this before, but that continues. There's not a single piece of avocado toast on there with Evo all over it. (laughs) Nothing. Okay. So I find that interesting. And we're still standing by to stand by to find out when the new events are coming out. Yep. So... That's the update on P1440. If you haven't checked their app lately, lots of writing from Travis. Yep. Right? Yep. So I like Travis's writing. Sand, it's, it's, Sandcast is featured on there. Sandcast is featured on there, and they're live streaming now. It appears. Yeah, they live streamed a match not this past weekend, the weekend before up in Malibu, I think. It was, I, I don't remember, like USC okay. and UCLA, something like that. I can okay. be 100% completely wrong on the schools, but they definitely. Uh, 1440 did. They streamed college events, and uh, Hav and Dodd were commentating and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of Hav, ran into him this last week. Oh, nice. Yep. His 60th birthday was the week before. 60? 60. Wow. They had cool cozies and stuff. Of course. They had a good game down at Marine on the Orange Court. Fours? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They might be going to sixes or eights soon. They may be going (laughs) Chinese nine man (laughs) fairly soon as that group gets a little bit older. But said they had a great day. He is helping out with the El Segundo team. My son's team oh, nice. from Redondo went down and shelled El Segundo. And uh, the Hav is talking about his team a little bit beat up. The Hav. He's not very happy that they're kind of wimpy. <laughs> so, can you imagine <laughs> Hav as a coach? He's not happy that one guy's like, oh, my wrist kind of hurts. Back in the day. <laughs> he is that get-off-my-lawn guy for he, sure. He is. But the thing about Hav is. is he knows that too. And then – Apparently, uh, he was there. I, I saw him across the way on Friday night at USC. He's at a lot of USC matches. He was there. He's an alum. And he got on the live stream, I guess, or the okay. broadcast. Yep. And I was not watching that because I was in the arena. But I was texting with a few people who were watching it. They said it was nothing short of outlandish. Yeah, that's what you get with the Hoff. What, what else oh. are you expecting? Well, agreed. But I think it's Why getting... else would you have him on there? Like, that's... That's th- what you want when you put the Hav on. I think you're getting like Hav Plus. Like we have a Mevo Plus now. <laughs> I think it's a Hav Plus. Getting your money's worth. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so some people were really amazed at some of the things that were being said on the USC live stream on Friday night. I'd have to go back through my text conversation that had Vinny As- with 86 texts on his phone before he came back. Wow. Yeah. As in, uh, I'd have to listen to it because... It could go so many ways, like crushing players or talking about back in his day or just saying outlandish things, period. I think yes. To all the above. <laughs> I missed the hob. Yes. I, I, like, what, what do you think? You're, you're not going to get the polished veteran commentator. PC. When you get Hav on there, right? No. Like the, why, that's You're asking for trouble. Well, not only that, but 
they wouldn't put him on if that's how he was. He also informed the world, apparently, that at the lab, which is the gastropub bar attached to yep. Galen Center, more yep. or less, that they love him there. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course they do. <laughs> Was that there when he went to school? I wanted to find... He needs a picture in there then. If they really love him, they will put a picture of the hob up when at he walks the lab. In. I ate at the lab that night. It was good. Like cheers. Yeah, it should be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Some comments on Patrick, the uh, chat yes. board. Yes. Hob was probably lambasting Nygaard in his UCLA background ruining his alma mater. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Who knows? We'll, we'll ask Jeff Nygaard if he's getting any static... From the hop. From the hop. Yeah, let me yeah. put that one down because yeah. Jeff's coming on here. All right. Dear Jeff, have you spoken to the hob lately? <laughs> How much is the hob in your locker room? If so, is he giving you constructive criticism? <laughs> <laughs> on a level of 1 to 10, how constructive is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so always good to run into the hob and see what he has to say. Interesting dude. And if you come across him, go up and say hi. Friendly guy. And I think whether you agree with Hobbs' opinion or not, he's good for the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And at least you know where he stands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no veiled agenda, I believe, with, with Tim Hovland. Correct. Or an agenda period. Like, I don't – if he's – let's just hypothetically say he is crushing Nygaard for whatever reason. Like, there's no agenda for Hobb other than he just wants USC to be good. Right? Like, he's not trying to – be the coach. He's not like th- like those kind of. As that's he's just being who he is. There's there, no there's no hidden agenda for sure. There are some other alums who were involved last time in the booting. There's of, a, a, there's always gonna be alums of Billy Ferguson. So of a guy who's made it to multiple national championships. Yeah. Okay. Just just wanted to be clear on that. <laughs> Show's over. Is that 15 minutes? No, Done. Wait, five okay. more minutes to go. It's only small bites. It's only, only ten more minutes. We have five more minutes to uh, oh, to kill man. before we end the show. All right. <laughs> Always good to talk about the hob. Go back. Uh, we should repost actually a link to when we had the hob on the patio for a couple hours to refute basically everything Sinjin had told us in that a previous was, episode. I need to go back and listen to that because Sinjin not only it was like a three plus hour episode with Sinjin. Yeah. And then Hav took like an hour and forty five to refute it all. Which was amazing. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to look for our comments here. I saw one go by. I was going to look at Rob Asparrow said, as a participant of that thread, that text thread about the Hav, he said there were multiple moments of humor that brought him to tears. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, good. Happy crying is always fun. That's good. Yeah. yeah we, were, we were having some fun. Uh, some good volleyball being played, and we'll talk to, talk to Jeff Nygaard about that. It was the Pac-12 Big Ten Challenge. OSU, Ohio State University, and Penn State were both out to face off with UCLA and USC. Okay. Sydney, three-star, FIVB, beach well, volleyball. Because you're a beach guy now, Kevin. I love how we get to it early in the show now. Yeah, we do. We have to. Let me pull up. Uh... This event is complete. Uh, Team USA performed quite well. By the way. Yeah. At Manly Beach. Yes. Which, obviously, if you're a dude, you must be Rich Lamborn style to just walk around that beach. Correct? Doubtful, but sure. That's not the law at Manly Beach? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it just make sense? Like, if you come out there and you're overweight or super skinny and You haven't been on the gains train. You haven't been on the gains train at all, like... 
Do people just look at you like, come on, bro. It's Manly Beach. They should. Yeah. They should, like Muscle Beach. Or back in the day when people used to refer to me as metrosexual, would that be an issue at, at Manly Beach? <laughs> Did you not like that title? I just, I, I don't care one way or the I other. I don't I just, find you to be metro. Because it's now more, everybody is like that now. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, the purple wristband, metro. <laughs> Okay, first of all, this is uh, for Alzheimer's, Kevin. <laughs> I'm not sure making fun of that would be a good idea. I'm not making fun of it. I'm <laughs> no, just saying it, it has like a style. No, it sounds like you're making fun of it. <laughs> saying, it has a style. And now I'm trying to make you feel guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what you said already. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. Manly Beach, sorry. Help! Hey, we've almost killed 15 minutes. Two more minutes to go, <laughs> and we can end the show. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> Brandon Higa, who gave us... A, an excellent video game review a couple weeks ago on the yes. show. Yes, yep. He gets really bristly when I tell him that he's very Metro. He's been Metro for a long time. And, and gets, let's define... At so when I was younger, that was defined as... I liked my clothes to look good. Okay. I had product in my hair. Okay. And um, that that's pretty much it. Well, not necessarily... Here's the definition. A young, urban, heterosexual male with liberal political views and interest in fashion and a refined sense of taste. I didn't know the political aspect of it. I didn't know either. I think that's an add-on. I'm not sure what dictionary that's in. That's just the first one that comes up. Definitely an add-on. The urban dictionary. Oh, God. I can't read that one. Uh, Let's see. Metrosexuals. This is from uh, an article in the New York Times in June of 2018. Uh, Metrosexuals. We're just straight men who loved self-care, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, you're you're well-groomed. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. shower. Moose, yeah. Yeah. You, I don't, you might I don't use, use a pumice stone? I don't use moose anymore. <laughs> okay. You might use a pumice stone? Sure. Okay. But it's it was also a manner of dress. The deep V-neck. Basically, they were... They were... It was a... If you want to get into it, it could be referred to as a slur because they're basically calling you gay without you actually being gay. That's what it was. Okay, but then you're really dicey because you're using the one version of, quote, gay. Oh, 100%. Because I know I know people across the entire spectrum. For sure, because they're saying you dress more like the gay individuals that I know than you do like the bros that I know. Well, the funny thing is that, the, yeah, the notion is that the bros, you should just not care what you look like. Correct. I'm not, not going to shower for days. Yeah, comb your hair, no. Who cares, yeah. Yeah, crummy, dirty clothes. Facial hair or whatever. Yeah. No. Like crummy facial hair like mm-hmm. I had till yesterday. Yeah, because women are into that, Kevin. I know. <laughs> I know. No, but so sorry for shaving <laughs> and showering, everybody. <laughs> so, My sorry bad for showering. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. All right, all right. I could see how you would be Dude, considered killed. Fifteen minutes. Let's just yeah. All right, that's in the uh, show now. Hey, we got fifteen people. Fifteen minutes. Yep. Good. Back to Sydney. At Manly Beach. Sorry, Manly Beach. <laughs> just I'm a child, so those are the things that makes me think of. USA teams perform well. Emily and Betsy second. Yep. Carrie and Brooke, third. Yep. Good job by them. Yep. Billy Allen and Stafford Slick, third. Yep. And they're first adding together internationally, back together again. Mm-hmm. And it feels so good. Now, Reed and Theo had a reasonable finish. Ninth, I believe. Took a ninth. Yep. Yep. Who else took ninth? They took a ninth. Um, Stafford and... Uh, Stafford and Billy got third, like yep, you said. Yep, but then Casey and uh, Chase, fifth? No. Oh. Ryan Doherty. 
John oh, Hyden, Hyden, fifth. Yeah, okay. Taylor Crabb, Jake Gibb, fifth. That's right. Miles Evan, Billy Kalinske, ninth. Three Pretty Theo, ninth. Casey and um, Chase did not make it into the main draw. They oh, lost in the country. I thought they did. Okay. I believe they lost in the country quota, yeah. Okay. All right. And speaking of country quota, on the women's side, the team that won, whose names Palmer and Laird? Australians, right? Yeah. Yeah. They came out of the qualifier. Yeah. So I, I had an interesting question here in terms of what does this mean? We know Olympic qualifying is on the line. It's a three-star. Yep. It's early in the year. It got a little more push because a lot of people aren't going to those other events because they don't exist anymore. But I looked back at last year's. <laughs> Do you even exfoliate, bro? <laughs> That's what I want to Sorry. Do you get a manicure, Petty? Manny yeah. Petty? Yeah, I do. Uh, 2018 results. On the men's side, O'Gorman and Saxon of Canada won. Are we talking about last year of this event? Last year. Okay. IA and Youssef, Crow of France, second. Was it also, never, a, was never it also a three-star guys. last year, though? Yeah, see, it's, it's hard to answer, and here's why. Because you can't. I went to BVB Info. Yeah. And you asked me, are you on the FIVB website? And I said, no, because at this point, I would have been five minutes in. I still wouldn't know who won. Correct. When the event was, what the bracket looked like. FIVB, get your shit together. Seriously. Not candles all the time, guys. I cannot use your website. If I want to do research, your website is completely useless. It, it's not good. It yeah. has some use during an event. But as soon as that event is over, or if I want to look at a bracket, or if I want to look at finishes or whatever else, your website is horrific. It needs to be simplified. And by that, I mean easier to use and find information. If I have to click nine right. times, I'm, I'm, I don't know the last time I've been on their website because of the difficulty to find the information that I want. When I think to look up last year's results for Sydney, I think of the FIVB website, and then I think, hell no. That's good for BVB Info then because yeah. everybody's going there. Yeah. So I don't know. I wish BVB Info would it, put the stars on them. But whatever. Just I, say I really it, like BVB Info. It wasn't a five-star. Right. Yeah. Okay. So French guys second. Kalinsky and Evans third. Okay. On the other side for the women, Artaccio and Clancy, another Australian team, mm -hmm. one. Wang and Gia. Mm -hmm. Gia. Gia probably. Who got fourth this year. Okay. They were second. And then, all right, Austria. I, oh, my God. Well, Schützenhofer and <laughs> Pleistiching. Careful. Uh, finished third. I don't know how to – I don't even know if I wrote them right because there's so many letters. Then the funny thing is you have an Austri Australian team that finished first and an Aust Austrian team that finished third. And, yes, when my credit cards got compromised when I was living in Austria, I asked for new credit cards. They sent them to Australia. Oh. <laughs> uh, so – Here's my question. So Clancy had some pretty good finishes last year in other FIVB events. I mm -hmm. looked at that. Mm -hmm. I didn't get further in to some of the others before the show started. O'Gorman and Saxon. I look at Saxon's record last year. He played 14 tournaments. He had the one first place finish in, in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Three fifths, not a single other top 10. Okay. So I don't know that we're really predicting much based on the event because no you're not predicting the season like he in Huntington Beach he finished 25th with Grant O'Gorman he played with O'Gorman all year long 
And most of the finishes are really bad, except for the really small events. This is the first tournament for probably most teams. Yeah. Um, not all of the top teams are there. Australia's not close, especially for United States teams. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, and even if all the top teams were at this tournament, the first tournament of the year really doesn't isn't going to tell you a whole lot about the rest of the season. Because the Volley Vikings, uh, Mole oh. was hurt. I take it back. Okay. They do say what it is on BVB. No, BVB. Yeah. I stop, missed it in the stop results. Stop crushing BVB info. Yeah. Uh, they do say it. It was a two-star last year. Oh, okay. But this year it's a three-star. Yeah. So yeah, there's the answer to that question. My bad for not seeing it. Um, yes, continue. Yeah, so, it doesn't. Injury to Yeah, mole. injury to Mole. So, and I don't know how long he's out. I haven't heard that. Um, God, I hope that doesn't continue. No, maybe it's one of those, I have a minor tweak. It doesn't it's sound not li- worth going. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a major thing, but we'll find out more. So this event, right, it's one of those things where if you do good, you feel good about, hey, we had a good tournament, we played well. But if you don't do well, okay, the first tournament of the year, we have some things we're going to work on. Like you're not betting on the rest of your season based on the first yeah. event of the year. Um, and now the men head to Doha. No women allowed. Um I had that question yesterday. If that is actually the case, why is the FI? I, I know the answer, but why is the FIVB there? Yeah, you know the answer. Hang I, on, where's my wallet? I just find that interesting. Yeah, it's whatever. Because sports can change, as you know, society. Yeah, but yeah. So this delves off into something else. Does everything have to be a social justice cause? It does not. So, but whatever. this brings attention to it. Sports can bring attention to that stuff. Sure, but I I watched Bill Maher on Friday. Actually, I, I tried to watch it Friday, fell asleep. Tried to watch it Saturday, fell asleep. Actually, watched. <laughs> Are you most saying something about the show or just no, your just tiredness? Me. Okay. Just me. <laughs> At the end of the night last night, I watched most of it, but not all of it. And I switched over to John Oliver. But he had a guy on who's written a book, and they were having a discussion about the whole social justice thing. Mm-hmm. And that social justice at this point isn't really social justice. It's just vigilante justice taking people down and trying to ruin people's lives. There's no real agenda to most of it. They're just trying to ruin people's lives and and make a mess and get attention for themselves, more or less. Well, and a in lot so of it cases. is social media-driven, right. which if businesses are making their decisions based off that, because that's not a true... So many do. Uh, I agree. Um, and I think that'll change eventually, because you realize like that's not... That's not reality. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think sports is required to take social stands. Patrick and I, he's saying on the chat where we talked about this at Nationals. We did talk about that. We had, uh, we had a good uh, Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy discussion. Yeah. But if you don't have to come out and say, hey, we're not going to go there because – you don't have equal rights, right? It's like, where do you draw the line? Well, this country doesn't have this country doesn't have that. But if your tour has both genders playing, yeah, but because I guarantee you it would change pretty quickly. Okay. But there are other, aren't there other places that have only the women's events? Yeah, but not um, in countries that don't allow men to play. Well, okay. Understood. That's but here, di- here it's an easy trade, though. You just go, okay, we're going to have a men's event in Doha. We're going to have a women's event in Daegu. Whatever. Or Ulsan is another one with a women's only event. Yeah. Like, I think it's an easy trade. You, you can't step in it all the time. 
No, but I feel like that's an easy one to step into. Well, not if they're paying you a bunch of money. Agreed. Agreed that they're paying them a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to jump into that because I just at this point I'm a little worn out with the whole with the whole thing. I get it. I I just I think there's a lot of forces at play that are looking to grind axes, not actually make any progress with anything. And I, I find a lot of it disingenuous. Uh, if you're the, the discussion also trended off into cultural appropriation and shouting people down for that. If you borrow something from a culture or take something and adopt it and in your mind, make it better or use it as a part of your thing or endeavor to honor it or use it to feature it or whatever. That is not cultural appropriation. If you take it and demean it, yeah, then sure. Then, yeah, then it's not something that, then it is cultural appropriation. And sure, call it out there, demeaning. But that's racism and, and yeah. xenophobia and other things. I think most people just want it to be acknowledged that, hey, we got it from X, Y, or Z. Yeah, but here's my question. Where do you get it? What, did your people invent it? <laughs> Maybe. In most cases, no. In a few cases, yes. Yeah. In most cases, no. You stole it from somebody else. And now you claim it's yours because you closed the door behind you. And now <laughs> nobody else can use it because it's mine. Cause no. Because the, the winners get to tell the history, Kevin. I know. But it's, it's, that's bullcrap. Because culture is an amorphous blob that just rolls. And now what's happened is instead of having individual pieces because of the, the way we are... Everything is one. Well, especially when you live in cities or countries that are very diverse, like the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 I just, and I find that's another area that I find disingenuous. I don't think it actually serves a purpose. I think it's just an opportunity for people to ruin other people's lives. And that's what they want to do. They don't care about actual justice or or actual uh, bettering of society. They just want to ruin other people's lives. It's bull. Yeah. People, anyway. are, people are angry, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so at some point, I just have to turn it off and go back to the shop. <laughs> uh, one of the things I, I did notice in a volleyball context here from, from this event. Yeah. All right. So we're on a three-star event. I mean, I looked at the two-star money just a second ago. Yikes. The three-star money is also frightful. First place, ten grand, Which okay. is split between the players. Right. Five apiece. Uh, second place, eight, third place. So uh, you, you just went to a three-star that, uh, as we talked about, is fairly well attended this year. And you finished third, Billy Allen, Stafford Slick. You made $2,500 a piece to be in Australia for what? A week. Okay. Let's assume, cause we don't know how much money they're getting from USA volleyball. Let's just, we assume, do know that you get hotel when you're there. Let's assume that their travel has been paid for. Really? Yeah. By USAV. I'm just let's just assume that. Okay. I hope so. I hope so. Cause if it isn't the top teams get You're fourteen hundred deep. Just to fly there. Yeah. 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 So you, Yeah, the, as long as you're in the tournament, the hotel's paid for. Mm-hmm. And so then at that point it's food. If you if you haven't paid for your flight, then your expense at this point is just food and whatever extracurricular activities you're doing. Sure. Yeah. But I'm going to, I believe, I don't know what the cutoff is, but the top U.S. teams get stipends for travel. How you use that 
I'm not sure how it breaks down. I'm not sure if USV is like, hey, we'll pay. If here's a lump sum, you get this and then use it how you will. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I forget. Rich has explained. Yeah, but let's just say the top teams are getting travel. Um, yeah, but who are the top teams? That's I'd the have question. to look at points. Yeah. So, but yes, if I mean, you Crab f- and Gib are the number one seed in the whole event. Yeah, their travel was taken care of. They're the top U.S. team. Darty and Hayden, third. They're they're probably getting taken care of as well. Yeah, Billy and Stafford were the fifth seed. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what the because it's USA rankings and then who goes and who doesn't go. Right. Yeah. So hopefully you get travel and a stipend for food. So maybe you're ahead. Maybe you're still at twenty five hundred dollars and you finished third. That's the thing. Okay, look at we we talked about Theo and Reed. Good finish, right? Yep, ninth. For them, ninth. They made two grand. They made a grand. Right. Each. Yeah. Right. A thousand dollars. Yep. Gotta pay taxes on that. Yep. So now you're at seven hundred? Seven fifty, yeah. That's meaningless in terms of a in a, a guy like Reed who has two kids, a wife, and a home. Yeah, but again, whenever it comes to money, let's go back to where is it coming from? Correct. Yeah. Correct. We can come because this is the argument. This is what bothers me is that this is the argument of people that are trying to do other tours or whatever keep saying the money is terrible. Players aren't making enough to make a living, and you are one hundred percent correct on that. That that's but that's the reality of the sport. If that needs to be talked about as well when sure. we are discussing the prize money. Oh, I agree with that entirely. Yeah. I'm merely pointing it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and again, the three-star, It right, caught my eye. The lower the, the star rating determines on how much money is required for prize money. Yeah. yeah. It, it caught my eye. Yeah. It's not very much money. Nope. In any case, good finishes for the men and the women, and we'll see what it means later in the year. Yep. But I like the start for both genders. So I'm excited about that. It's called Jeff Nygaard. What do you think? I'm in. Fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah, it's time goes, goes so, real, real so fast. fast. Yeah, I'm not that old. Jeffrey Nygaard. Can you hear me all right? Yes. All right. We are now joined by three-time U.S. Olympian, two times indoor, one on the beach, sweetest hands in the history of middle blockers, <laughs> DJ Ruchet. <laughs> Two-time college MVP, two national titles at UCLA. I once saw him walking down a street in Westwood, and I said, wow, there goes Jeff Nygaard. Currently in his fourth season at USC, 11-7, and 3-3 three three in conference play, fresh off the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge, two wins in five sets, maximum volleyball entertainment. Jeff, you must be exhausted at this point. Well, Kevin, let's go back a little bit. I am a setter in a middle blocker's body. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. That's that's fair. With you, absolutely fair. <laughs> that's how I made my start, man. I was a setter when I was uh, six foot one, and they brought me up to varsity as a sophomore. Oh wow! I did not realize you did actually play setter in high school. Okay, I was ran the six two, <laughs> ran the six two, and then in, and then drank his go juice and became really tall in Wisconsin. <laughs> In Wisconsin. No, yeah. yeah, exactly. The place where anything other than a highball was not done. <laughs> Home of Greg Romano. Is it is that how wasn't that at the border? Welcome to Wisconsin. 
Tom Sorensen, Greg Romano. Todd um, Reimer? Todd, there you go. There you go. That was my generation. Can we name another? Is there another Wisconsin name anyone would know from that generation? Because that's I'm tapped out right there. Well, how about Scott Oath? Oh, that's right. I've heard those names thrown around. Okay. Yeah, middle uh, middle blocker of Todd Reimer at Ball State, I believe. Nice, nice. Well, Wapaka Boat Ride is definitely worth a trip if you get a chance to go to that. I want to go to that event this year. Well, you could play in the Slaminorama or the Salmonorama, either one. <laughs> Salmonorama? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I love it. I love it. What was the other big Midwest tournament everybody talked about? It might have been in Indiana or something, in Illinois. Well, there was the Whitefish Bay tournament that um, I think it's still going, but I was old, I'm old enough to where I was the first. I played in the first one ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh yeah, Whitefish Bay. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's. We're gonna play and then get some cheese skirts. You're from Chicago. You're not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we cheer for the Bears. Bears play some volleyball or the Eagles well, for some reason. Yes, exactly. I think the Packers' arch enemy is actually the Vikings now. So the Bears are a little less, um, a little less on the uh, <laughs> Wisconsin psyche. Suck on that, Kevin. Yeah. I'm going to move on since I cheered for the Eagles in Soldier Field today, or uh, this year, I mean. Uh, Jeffrey Nygaard, congratulations on the weekend. Two wins. You beat Penn State. You beat Ohio State. Took five sets to do it both nights. Thanks for keeping me up late on Friday. How? Well, yeah. More bang for the buck. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, expectations for this year and how you guys have measured up thus far, do you think? Expectations for this year. Um, you know, this is my fourth year as a head coach, and – um, obviously I did five years as an understudy, as an assistant coach. And I've also canvassed a lot of the coaches, um, not only of this, um, great school, but of other places and whatnot. And it just seems like instead of how it used to be when I used to compete, where it was, we talk about national titles, it's, it's, it's been a little bit of a paradigm shift in terms of how you go about addressing expectations. And of course, at a school like this, with a team like this, you're always want to set your sights and gold on winning national titles. But when you're selling things like and teaching things like, you know, you got to stay true to the process and just learn about different things and techniques and life skills and how to go about being as good of a volleyball player as you can. I think the realistic expectation is trying to make sure we're playing good volleyball night after night. And what does that mean? And how do you go about it? So when you put it in those terms, it's like I feel like we can go out and compete every single night, and the best team wins. You see, so far, you guys seem like the most confusing team to me because you have really good wins, then you have times when you struggle. Why have you had that kind of Jekyll and Hyde season thus far? Well, if you look at it from a culture standpoint, last year we won from you know, just barely missing the few of those games and letting them slip away to this year, we're actually overcoming a, a number of them. And so from the culture standpoint, we're, we're getting those wins, whereas we haven't in the past. And so from one standpoint, one optic, we're improving dramatically so that we're, you know, I've heard it said that winning is a teachable skill and that's something that we have embraced and we are making monstrous strides with, but I understand what you're asking about. And, you know, we just have to make sure that we're imprinting the importance of every single ball, every single point. And there's no, no, there's really no big points and there's really no big moments because they're all important. I like that. Tell me about the culture shift this year. You made some adjustments to your roster. What was the goal? Well, the goal as ever is to make sure that the guys are working hard. The guys are understanding the values of what we're trying to go about and they, 
the shift is that the guys have taken ownership of a lot of that. They've taken over a lot of the accountability of how we want to go about things. I mean, simply said, it's like we're not the ones that are out there playing who are teaching it. They are the ones that are doing it. So they're going out there night after night. They're working harder than they ever have. Um, they have more buy-in than they've had in the past, which has been fantastic. And it's been an escalation during my time. How have you managed to increase that buy-in? What have you guys been successful at doing? I think the best thing that I could point to is just the community in and of itself, not just um, outside of the USC and with the alum and the boosters, but internally is we have made tremendous strides with just the continuity and, you know, the people that we have working with our team is they're 100% invested. The guys all get it and they're respecting it and they're responding to it. Do you get any static from the Hav? You know what? He's been around quite a bit being supportive. And I think, um, you know, fundamentally, it's like everybody wants this team to have success. I don't question that. And so having um, Tim Hovland come back and, you know, just giving us a little fist pump and he's, hey, it looks good out there. And, you know, getting energized when really good plays happens, it's, it's a great thing to see. All right. That's a fairly nice answer. The answer is always, Hoff is always going to give you static. Kevin, <laughs> always. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, That might be. That might be the answer, yeah. Uh, Jeff, I've heard you mention before that USC is a gift for these kids and what's available, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit. What are you selling when you're talking to recruits, when you're talking to your kids about focusing on school? What are you selling in that vein of, of what USC has the potential to provide for them now and for a lifetime? Well, that can be a complex uh, question and a complex answer. But in my experience, it's, you know, it comes from, well, I mean, you probably have a shared experience because it was, it was very much formulated back in the day when we were in Colorado Springs. And, you know, one day, one of your best friends is on the team. The next day, a six foot 10 guy who jumps 40 inches with a cannon clocks in and all of a sudden, um, but he gets cut. And then over time you watch those guys and see did they transition into something else and when you see them struggle it really leaves a lasting impression on your mind so i've seen a number of my contemporaries um not be seamless in the transition from being an athlete into what the next stage is and that's something that i you know i'm not i'm not going to say i preach and get on a pulpit but i definitely want to take steps so that these guys land comfortably in their chosen field or at least are working towards the next step and next stage. So whether it's a Micah Christensen where it's like, all right, you may have a really good long career, good Lord willing, and you know, you stay healthy, but even still is like, are you preparing for what could come next? And if you have the benefit of making a nice nest egg, okay, great. But are you making that money work for you so that you are prepared for what you can do? Because I mean, I'm sure you're very familiar with just some of the conversations with guys on the national team, it's like, okay, what are you doing after volleyball? And most of them would say, oh, I'm just going to chill for a little bit and relax and kind of hang out. Like, well, that's great, but then what? Yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah. But a school like USC with the access, with the brand, with the international network, with all the things that it has, which is, you know, I'd like to believe that there's not many schools that offers the same type of connectivity and the same type of access and the same type of um, excellence that it has with it. 
I define success for the guys on the team as if you have two or three things already in the hopper, if you've prepared so that you could go into volleyball or you could go into your chosen field, you've done some internships, you've, you're about to hit the ground running. I define that as success is that you've maximized your exposure to this school and you've created a platform for your personal brand so that you can go out into whatever you're going to be doing and hit the ground running. Question about that, Jeff, because I'm all too familiar with the struggle of post-volleyball life. Some people mentioned when you and I were on the national team that you should have a plan B or you should be thinking about those things that you just touched on real life in your career and whatever else you're going to do post-sports. But how one of the things I struggle with is how do you strike that balance between the commitment necessary to becoming an Olympian and then maintaining it so that that guy coming into the gym doesn't take your job? How do you balance that against, quote, having a foot out the door or thinking about when you're going to have to leave and, and doing some other things that are un, unrelated to volleyball? Can you do those things at the same time you're trying to hold on to something that's so difficult to attain and then maintain a position on the national team? Well, again, that gets into some complexities. And uh, I, I really like the question, by the way. And the way I look at that is, First of all, awareness, and second of all, is priorities. Because you know, I, you could very easily get drawn into the distractions of life and not do all the prep work. But you played overseas, and there's a tremendous amount of downtime mm-hmm. simply between practices, between matches. You have the ability to go experience life in another country. You have the ability to, all right, we're not practicing this weekend. It's like, all right, I can actually go somewhere, and then in between on the day to day. In my experience, I look back and I wish I had taken some classes to learn the languages. I wish I had utilized that time instead of just playing video games or emailing or doing that stuff of getting a master's degree online. And it's if you're a little bit disciplined, if you have the awareness to put your priorities forward, you could definitely be proactive in those spaces. So in my experience, absolutely. But that comes with it that voice of people saying that you need to allocate time for this. You need to make sure you can take care of this. You need to have those as your internal priorities. And then those are the people that I think are going to grasp onto it, glom onto it and succeed by it. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. I feel like it's kind of a lost opportunity. I wish I was a bit more focused at the time on on just being interested in other stuff and doing something of value, even though I was, I I was killer at Madden for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm not about to say I'm elevated in that, but at least I had the sentience to say that I knew I wasn't going to play forever. And, you know, when the AVP decided to say, yeah, we're going to be bankrupt by the middle of the season, I listened. And it's just like, all right, I got to do something. I got to move on. I got to find a career here to, you know, I got a mortgage and a family. And that's when I uh, was blessed enough to have an opportunity with USC. Yeah, and, and speaking of this kind of thing, Jack Wyatt, one of your star players on your team right now, took a couple of years away. He kind of tried out real life, stayed in school there at USC before returning to volleyball. Watching him play the other night, watching the stats over throughout the year, I just wonder where you would be without that guy uh, coming back to your team. And what has he brought back from that experience of being away so long? I'm going to put this out there in the universe and I think that you can understand this far better. Um, but Jack walked into the office, um, over the summer, probably two years ago. Uh, let me make sure I got that right. It was two years ago. Yeah. And he came in with a renewed vigor, a renewed um, vision 
And what he brought with him was the why, the why he wanted to play volleyball. And he had the internal attachment to it, which was phenomenal. And you could just, you could just look at him and know that that's what he was and what he wanted to be. And so when you, when you mesh the internal desire with all the things that we want to do, he brought a value system and he brought things to the table that I knew was, um, it was something that we could definitely benefit from just as a culture, um, as a team, as a community. And he has not disappointed in the least in that stretch. Um, not to mention that he has also maximized his time with USC. He's in a phenomenal major, um, the entrepreneurship master's degree. He is excelling in that. And anybody that's gone through that program has had a tremendous platform of success in life. And so I have nothing but tremendous pride and I'm proud of everything that he's done. And it's not, it has nothing to do with me. This is all Jack doing this. And so anybody that has that kind of belief system and that value system, and he goes out and he maximizes it is, um, you know, the world stands aside for somebody who can do that. You're listening to Net Live. We're talking to Jeff Nygaard in his fourth season now at the helm for the USC men. Jeff, another guy who's been getting after for you is Ryan Moss. Watching him play opposite, sometimes it, it doesn't look like the traditional opposite, the ultra-aggressive smash the ball hard every time, but but he's he's hitting it from a high spot and placing it a lot of times. What's, what's Ryan done this year to increase uh, his results, which were critical for you on the weekend? He's just, I'm not going to say he's decided to be all in, but I can, I can answer that from the other side of things. Prior to this year, I had never heard him speak about wanting to play beyond college. And, you know, he was pursuing business opportunities in his chosen field. But somewhere along the line in the middle of the season, he started realizing that playing internationally is a viable option for him. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that, I understand that internally he knows his value. He knows that he's come a long ways. He know I know he's gotten better and I know that he knows it. And so, again, he's starting to attach the why of why he's playing volleyball, why he's doing the daily grind, why he's going through all the things, why he's lifting. And he's embraced the role. Yeah, I mean, at 6'8", and the way he's hitting the ball, it seems like he definitely will have a future. Uh, do you encourage your guys to go and have that overseas experience? If that is something they want to do, I will do everything I can to help them. Okay. I'm not sure how I could answer that any better. It's like, do I mean, if that's what they want to pursue, I mean, I'm going to be very realistic with them and say, like, we've had some guys that – had opportunities to play um, internationally, and it depends on where. Like I, I know a Tony Torelli and a Murphy Troy and a Micah Christensen, and I've shared my experiences with them. I gave them whatever guidance I could, and if they need any help on any front, I'm 100% all in to do the best I can for them. And if guys on the team currently want to pursue that as a path, that's phenomenal. I just want to encourage them to make sure that they are more well-rounded so that they don't have just the one opportunity. I want to make sure that they're pursuing multiple and then they get to choose. We've had a couple of guys that came in that I knew that they wanted to play professional only, but they came out knowing that they had opportunities in their chosen field, not just, hey, I'm going to start doing interviews when I graduate. They actually were pursuing these opportunities while they were here, which is yeah. phenomenal. Jeff, what are some of the differences that maybe you didn't expect going from an assistant coach to a head coach? 
You know, it's it, that, I, I like that question because it, it for me the overlap is also in terms of preparing to have a child and then having kids is like you really without sitting in the chair know exactly what the experience is like. There's Painful. just so many things that you can't predict the feelings, the time, the responsibility, the accountability. But some of the things that um, I've definitely wrestled with and had to grow with is, um, you know, just some of the things that me as a person, some of the shortcomings or some of the spaces that I definitely needed to grow. Um, the continuity of making sure that I'm the steward for the entire program, the communication with the masses. Um, Kevin, you're probably familiar with this. I'm a, I'm a typically a quiet person, a very internal person, but I've had to become much more extroverted as I progress in this position mm -hmm. as just part of the deal. And, um, it's been a wonderful challenge. It's been a wonderful blessing is I can't, I can't tell you, and maybe this is a little too deep, but I feel like my soul has expanded or my personality has expanded in ways that I couldn't have predicted faster in the past four years than it ever has. And um, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this as well as like, it hasn't been the most gentle process at times, but mm -hmm. it's the most necessary process. And it's been a, a really good ride. Yeah. The transition is not easy. And then when you have to be the leader, it's even harder. Do you, well, yeah, go I ahead. Mean, today's day and age, it's, you're not just a volleyball coach. It's been um, lobbied as you're a CEO of a, mm. of a corporation, so to speak. So without a, big background in most of those realms you have to learn on the fly in a couple of them and so that's something that i've definitely embraced and definitely looked at and had to be extremely um objective and subjective with and the people around me you know i've positioned it such that if i need to know something whether i'm going to like it or not i need to know you need to tell me so I get really good feedback and I have a lot of great help and come a long way in a short amount of time. For people that don't know, what is maybe percentage wise of how much time goes into the non-volleyball stuff, talking to boosters, talking to your AD, you know, going to events that have to do with your program, things that aren't, that don't include you being in the gym, talking to your team. I don't know that I could quantify percentages, but um, there are times where I have to make sure that the priorities are shifted forward in terms of I need to focus in on the team because you, you could definitely get uh, there's definitely quite a bit of things that you'll have to navigate. And all of those are just part of the job. That's part of what you need to do. So you need to make sure that you have everything going the right way. There are times where it feels like coaching is one of the last things I get to do, but by the same token, it is the best part of what we do is teaching the young guys the game that we love. So whether it's the price of admission or whether that's just, you know, where I am on a given day with, you know, things going on in my life, it's, it's still a blessing that I am able to continue to live and make money with volleyball and provide for my family with volleyball. Cause it still blows my mind that what was it 25 years ago? I was able to buy a car playing volleyball. It still blows my mind. <laughs> the fact that it was 25 years ago blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff, I may ask you this before on the show, but how do you reflect on your Olympic experience? Wow. Which one in particular, Kevin? Uh, and just, where are you going with that? Just, <laughs> just as a whole. 
you know, let me take it this way. I've had a number of people say, oh, how'd you do in the Olympics? And I was like, <laughs> well, you know, I, I was two and 11. I, I won my first two and then I didn't win beyond that. And then they'll look at you look at me and not with sympathy. They'll say, well, I mean, it's a great accomplishment to have been an Olympian. And for quite some time, it didn't sit well for me because in my analogy is this is like if you work hard to be the valedictorian of high school and then you go into your chosen college and then you work hard to be summa cum laude and then you try to get into this one master's program to get your doctorate or get into, you know, if you're in the medicine field to try to get into this hospital do you get to that point and just rest on your laurels and go, ah, I've made it. This is the end game. Or do you want to go there and absolutely kill it too? So I had the notion back in the day when people say that it didn't sit well with me because I never went to the Olympics just to go. I went there to have success mm -hmm. and I didn't have success. But as you get older, you learn different nuances and different interpretations and different perceptions. And I've grown an appreciation for the fact that I've done that. But now that I'm well beyond those years, I've also looked at that as that's a guy from a different time, so to speak. I'm getting much more objective about who I was then and what I was doing and all those things. And, you know, people now and then will still introduce me as a three-time Olympian. And I'll still look and I was like, yeah, but I like going by Jeff. So... <laughs> How much? Did but, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go, go ahead. Well, I just wonder how much do the kids ask about your experience? How much do your players know uh, of your history as a player? And do, I think or do some, they try and draw on that? I think they're somewhat aware of some of the things that I've had the fortune to do. I mean, it's like my own kids. Like my oldest daughter wants to. I mean, she's playing soccer right now, and people are like, how could you let her play soccer? And I'm like, well, she can play whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's her choice. It's her life. It's what she likes to do. Right. But it's there if they want it. It's there if they need it. They're getting it subtly every single day in every way I talk um, because I do come from that perspective of, you know, I think I see everyone's potential, and I want to push them towards their potential on a daily basis. So. You know, it's like just being on the national team. It's like, you know, when somebody is reaching and putting out their maximum effort, putting out their maximum potential, and they're playing to their best ability. You, you can see it. You can sense it. You can just look them in the eye, and you know it. All right, we'll get you out of here in just a second. You have MPSF play coming up, Grand Canyon and Concordia. Then you get Long Beach, who's the consensus number one in the nation and having an outstanding season as the defending champs. Have you looked at all at them? Have you followed them at all? Do you think you've figured out a way that they're vulnerable, or are you not there yet? Well, we played them earlier in January at the Pyramid. Oh, you and... did? I missed it then. Oh, well, yeah, there it is. Okay, 3-1. Yeah. You took a set-off. That's right. You're the only team to take a set-off from this year for a long time, maybe even now. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and then looking at that one optic of taking a game off of them, it's like there's you know multiple ways to interpret that, and I was ecstatic that we took the game, but at the same time, it's like, well, you have to think in your head. It's like, if we play our best game against a, a Long Beach, can we have success? And if we're capable of handling things on our side, and this philosophically is how I look at it, is like, if we play our best game, if we take care of the ball on our side of the net, philosophically speaking, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Right. So you could put an all-star team together, and if you're taking care of what needs to be done on your side of the net, you should have success. So 
we played them earlier in the year and I know our guys are hungry and they're, they're looking forward to going up head to head with the number one team. It's going to be on our home court, which we've had some good success this year. So I look forward to a real good competition. Yeah. It was a deuce set in the second and then that you lost and then you won 25, 19 before losing 25, 17. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that that first one I was scrolling through here, but now that you mention it, I do remember looking at that. Well, I mean, circling back to an earlier question, it's like one of the things that we definitely know about ourselves is we can respond to the challenge. When we mm-hmm. get into a situation where we're um, being a little hesitant or you know we need to make an adjustment or two, I now know about our team and our culture that we can challenge them and say, this is what we need to do. Let's go respond. And they've responded. So this whole thing is an escalation where we get Long Beach at home and then we get to um, reboot with Stanford and BYU the following weekend. And we have a real good home stretch. We've done a lot of away games and we know that we, uh, we can defend the house. So we're looking forward to the opportunities. Right on Jeff. Thanks for responding to my text this morning. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I hope you know about tall, slim tees. <laughs> Cause you're tall and you're slim, tall, slim individual. Yes. Well, Kevin, we live together, so I always enjoy the experience. <laughs> Very good. Jeff Nygaard in his fourth season at USC, playing in the MPSF. They will be facing off with Grand Canyon on Thursday and in Concordia on Saturday in the Old North Gym. Oh, boy. And, and we had the time change, so, Jeff, make sure you uh, make them receive with the windows as a background while it's still light outside. <laughs> I'll be up there with curtains myself. Excellent. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Have a great day, guys. See you. Jeff Nygaard. Checking out here on TNL. Yeah, we got to get him in a tall, slim tee. Code volleyball gets you ten percent off. If you know Jeff Nygaard and feel like he doesn't have a tall, slim tee, you could you, buy him one. Yeah, you could send him one. Gift it to him. Tallslimtees.com. All the length without the width. I'm wearing it right now. I beat myself up because I think I failed on any promotion of anything when I was hosting a show Uh-oh. a couple of weeks ago. I know. Jeremy. Well, I'm not tall or slim, Sponsorship Kevin. Sponsorship obligations. Not tall or slim, so <laughs> tell them I apologize. <laughs> All right, appreciate Jeff Nygaard calling into the show. Now i got to call the College Hall Weekly guys. Jeff, do you use some words that could possibly be a first? I should have written the first one down. Uh, could have been a first one. There were some big words that I needed to get uh, – in the context of his sentence, I understood that, yeah. but I'm going to need to look. You're going to go back with a yeah, thesaurus just and a dictionary. Be like, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's what does this? He's, he's what a smart does individual. Also mean? Yes, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, metrosexual. Actually, I've probably mentioned it before. Jeff and I, after I saw him in Westwood when I was in junior college, mm-hmm. I literally did say from across the street, not to him, but of him yeah. to my friends, "Dude, that's Jeff Nygaard. Nice. Whoa, like amazing. And then. Let's see, so that is 1993, and by 1998, five years later, we lived together. I'm living with Jeff Nygaard. Did you tell him that story? We that threw, oh, you yeah. were fanboying him uh, in Westwood? Oh, yeah. And we threw a 70s party and probably got thrown out of our apartment. Hilarious. Yes. Jeff, I remember when he came on to the AVP tour. It might have been my first year in 2003. It was either 2003 or 2004. I'd have mm-hmm. to go back. But I remember like people talking about Jeff coming on to the beach. Mm-hmm. And you hear that a little bit from time to time of players. you know. But I distinctly remember top players were talking about Jeff coming on to the sand. All right. Let's take it to the College Hall Weekly. Oh, indoor now? Rob, Vinny, and Jay all on the line. Don't forget the spring conference is coming up. 
That is going to be in Long Beach. Yes. Yes, we can hear you. It'll be in Long Beach. Okay. Association I am, the men's game. We appreciate the I am ABC. Not able to do the show today, so I, I, I got to go. Okay. Thanks. I'm in a rental car place right now. I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you. Bye. <laughs> that was Jay Hasek, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I can't do it. No, 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 it's fine. If you unhook it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, okay. So was taking him in, man. We're down to Vinny and Rob. Jay obviously watched no volleyball this past week, so has no updates. <laughs> he can't, totally didn't do his homework. Can't talk to us about anything. He's oh, out. Oh, Jay. Okay. <laughs> Hope Rob and Vinny can carry the show. All right. We appreciate the American Volleyball Coaches Association sponsoring this. Gentlemen, what went on this last week? Do tell. I'll let Vinny jump in. There's some big stuff on uh, his oh. side of the nation. No, not Conference Carolinas, please. <laughs> All right, Vinny. Is he there? Oh, no, you hang up on him. Oh, it's just Rob now. Good luck, Rob. Good luck oh. carrying the entire uh, college football weekly oh, show. It mm-hmm. still says Vinny. I put you on hold. Find turn into uh, Addy, Addy Jack. <laughs> well, while Kevin's figuring that out, Rob, uh, tell me a little. You were down at the beach this weekend. Great. Oh, no, he's on hold now. This no. is awesome tech. Here we go. <sighs> hey, just, it's, it's not the net live if this crap doesn't go on. Just ruining the show. You know, when Jay said goodbye, Vinny, don't hang up when Jay <laughs> says goodbye. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it's because not, Jay hung up, it hung up it on just Vinny, knocked too. him off? Yeah. And oh, now he's not the, answering? Because the order in which I called them, probably. Uh, who knows? Who knows what you did? Adam Johnson. <laughs> is Adam Johnson calling you right Adam now? Adam Johnson might call in. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he calls you right now. Oh. Are we At getting, the tone, please oh, record your message when you finished recording. Vinny! Let's leave him a message. Oh, oh did you hang up already? God. <laughs> Can we hear Rob at least? No. Oh. oh, man. This is the worst show ever. We should have ended after 15 minutes. Seriously. It was going so well, Kevin. Uh. <laughs> it's the ABCA College Ball Weekly with Rob Asparrow now because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and potentially Adam Johnson, if he has, if he, if he had your number. Adam <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, all, all right, right, Rob. Good luck carrying it, Rob. All right, Robbie. All right, we were texting right. about what was going on this past week. UC Irvine had a couple of big matches, and so we'll get to that first. So your contract is satisfied. All right. Yes. 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 And uh, if for those of you who were, you know, somewhere out in the mountains without connectivity of any kind. Uh, UCLA took two pretty decent losses to the number two team of the nation. That would be the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. They came into Irvine for two, and they swept us three and out every night. They got the battle for the crate, which is the the uh, crate of oranges and pineapples that uh, Coach Wade and Coach Nippon have agreed to, to make like a rivalry series, a little, little wager, so to speak. Mm, I like that. So, uh, but I'll tell you one thing from that weekend, and uh, and that is Hawaii is legitimately going to be a contender against Long Beach State. And it's a strong statement because Long Beach State has been dominating a lot of teams. And there were a lot of questions about uh, Hawaii's quality of opponents and their ability to uh, to compete against, you know, some tougher teams. I think that weekend, you can see just from their overall team dynamic, this team has got the confidence they need. Um, they are definitely a lot stronger and they're doing some things offensively that teams are going to have a hard time adjusting to. And, and one of those things is, is they run this slide with Dalton Solbrig. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. 
Hey, Kevin. All right. Now we have Vinny and Rob. Okay, continue, Rob. The, the slide, okay. yes. Yes, so uh, Solberg runs this slide. So, mind you, you've got Rod at the right side. The middle blocker, the opposing middle blocker, has to commit, either decide to commit on Solberg on the slide. Then you've got SVT uh, at the, the other pin. So you've got these Pell. three attackers coming your way. It opens up the middle for the bit, the Colton Cowell, who is just a phenomenal jumper with a great arm swing. And, you know, it's opening it up on deep, on offense for um, Hawaii, but the defense is just going to be tough. Uh, it's a tough play to, to go against when they run that play because there's no block at times going up against the big, and the, the back row defenders are just stuck with getting shelled. So, uh, and they are extremely, extremely like powerful on offense with Rado Parapuna at the right side. He's definitely got a lot more court confidence, which is a huge difference from last year. He's always had a big whip, but now he's actually got his head behind what he's doing now. So, um, they're, they're contenders, for sure. And I, I, that Long Beach-Hawaii final matchup of the conference is going to be huge. Expect to see them going at it a total of four times this season. Yeah, and you're glossing over the BYU from this week, though. So are you just that upset <laughs> yes. about BYU and UC Irvine as well? Well, that was an interesting matchup. I mean, BYU uh, came out and it, was, is, uh, it beat Irvine 3-1. But both teams had backup setters playing. Uh, in the in the matches this weekend because mine, what? No, no go ahead, go ahead. Oh, oh, they could hear me when I was. So they had like Will Stanley out due to injury, so they had Cyrus Fa a logo setting, uh, not a true setter for BYU, and of course it's a carousel for outside hitters for uh, BYU. So they were you know switching out outsides with the section of uh, um, Gabby Garcia Fernandez, who's been their most consistent attacker. So that night. They had a backup setter, and Irvine came out with their backup setter, and Brian Garcia and Alexander Seconda playing opposite in place of Paul Applebox. So really some different looks, and, and Irvine just came out slow out of the gates, and, and BYU capitalized. Luckily, they're able to come back on Saturday night, rebound, and they actually brought in Dante Chuck Wardy and Paul Applebach, who ended up turning that, that match for the Anders on Saturday night. All right, now that we got Vinny on the line, we can talk about finally about formerly number 15 Penn or Ball State who got shelled on the weekend out in Hawaii. They will not be bringing home any pineapples. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You're in Hawaii. You're a winner just being there. So, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like a tie. New poll just out. Long Beach State stays number one. All the first place votes. Hawaii in second. UC Santa Barbara jumps up to third. They're at 15 and three. UCLA in fourth. Irvine falls to five. Pepperdine at six. Lewis, Stanford, BYU, and USC, your top 10. Ball State somehow hangs on to the number 15 spot. Grand Canyon uh, got four votes. Princeton got 10. Uh, what, do we, what do we do with Loyola? <laughs> Loyola Chicago is still 11th. They suffered back-to-back losses to Grand Canyon, 3-2, 3-2. What do we do with them, Vinny? Well, you know, I, I think one thing you have to give credit to the job that Grand Canyon has done this season. You know, they're a young team. Matt Worley has done a really good job coaching them. They're continuing to improve. And Grand Canyon is a difficult, difficult place to play. It's one of the toughest um, venues that, that you can go to and play. So, with that being said, yeah, there's some issues for Loyola, and I don't think it's this weekend. You look back to the match they had against Lewis, 
on their home court. Both teams are undefeated in conference play, and Lewis just smashed them. And, you know, this was a team offensively. Things were just clicking so well. Garrett Zolk was playing so great. Not saying he's playing horrible right now, but there just isn't that consistency at the pins right now for them, especially in the oppo position. And that's kind of been the one big thing that they're going to have to solve. If they get consistent oppo play the rest of the season, they got a good ch- they got a good chance they can play. They have some great pieces, but if they don't get that, it's going to be Lewis in the NCAA tournament representing the Miva. Yeah, it seems like Lewis is the the top flight answer out of the Miva right now. What about the EIVA? Do we know much about that, Vinny? You, you know, so the EIVA right now, there's clear separation between the top tier of the conference. You have Princeton, Penn State, St. Francis, and George Mason. All four of those teams, I'd be shocked at this point if they weren't in the EIVA tournament. And truthfully, there's a realistic case you can make for every single one of those teams to win the to win that EIBA tournament at the end of the season. It's really just going to come down to, I know it's cliche, but who's playing the best volleyball and who's able to execute? Because all of these teams, they have flaws. They also have strengths. It's going to come down to the matchups. And like I said, we could break down next 15 minutes talking about each one of these and why they realistically could win, why they have the best case. But truthfully, it's just going to come down to who, to the matchups in that EIBA tournament. <laughs> All right, we'll leave that 15-minute dissection for the Off the Block blog, <laughs> offtheblock.com. Go ahead and get on over there with Vinny and Vinny2, uh, both doing excellent <laughs> video work there. Thank so. you. <laughs> uh, the Big West, Robbie, it's impressive yep. right now. You look at the top three teams, all Big West teams. UC Irvine fell out of that spot. They're in the fifth-place spot. So four of the five are in the Big West. It's going to be a ridiculous fight over there. UC Santa Barbara will get a good idea where they're at. They get Long Beach this week. That's one of the matches I'm looking forward to. But why the strength of the Big West? Well, you know, they did some really good recruiting, what, four or five years ago, bringing the players that come in. And, you know, you look at it from the Long Beach perspective, they're able to get a core of guys who've been playing together for well over eight years now. Uh, in TJ DeFalco, Junior Molina, and um, Josh Tuniga. And Kyle Insing was thrown into that mix, and they just said they were a good fit to, to get off with. So having the two solid pin hitters as well as a guy who can run your offense pretty well is a really good court to start from. So Al has had it really good uh, for Long Beach State. From Hawaii, you know, Charlie Wade is able to get those guys to come in, those, those international guys who end up being big stars for the, the Bows. And um, he picked up a really good, hardworking setter in Joe Worsley because, you know, Truth be told, he stands at only 6-1, and he is competing with the best and the biggest. And he's doing it with all grit and heart and banging away from the service line as well. And then they brought his brother, who is a phenomenal Libro. And he's got SVT at the other pin and some other uh, Islanders that are contributing to the mix. So, you know, that's a, a good core. And, and Rick brought in Corey Chavers, who up until this last year, he's been good. But this year, he's really picked it up two, three, four notches for uh, Santa Barbara. And then Irvine's just always in the conversation, just uh, with the guys that that brings in. So you got all that talent all within one conference, and uh, the coaches are knowing how to dial the players in to, to play together and, and win. Josh Tuaniga in the discussion for national team setter from the sources I've talked to, and Micah Christensen out right now with a knee surgery. I'm not sure if he's returned yet in Italy. Uh, get well soon to Micah, whose name has come up a number of times here 
on the program today. Vinny, let's go to you. King University went out to Hawaii, and they apparently were winners, <laughs> although they went 0-9 in terms of sets. But as we covered earlier, the Tornadoes are struggling. Uh, who in the Conference Carolinas is, is to be dealt with here? Yeah, uh, well, you know, just jumping back, I do want to say one thing on King. They got absolutely shellacked, nothing to say. But this is a, a, a decent program. They all have a player last year who was good enough to play professional volleyball in Europe. So rebuilding year for them, credit for them going out and getting, getting their butts kicked. But, you know, you look at the job. It, once again, yeah, it's a repeat record. You look at what Barton is doing this season. Oh, they are the dynamic Bulldogs. at the pins. They have the height. They have the size that they can be competitive and play. We saw that with them taking down USC earlier this season, and that turned out to be what's looking like a better win. I'm still scratching my head like no other in terms of when we talk about, you know, teams with losing records from the MEVA being in the coaches poll, you know, what does, you know, Barton have to do to get some consideration? You know, they're a good team, you know, so I think that, you know, they're the team to keep your eye on. They play Erskine, they play Emmanuel this weekend. They should win both those games in three. And they're put, offensively, they're putting up numbers that we're seeing Long Beach State put up. Now, quality of opponent is very different. But, I mean, they're hitting 500 in most of these conference matches. <laughs> yeah, the Long Beach State numbers have been off the chain. They hit, oh, yeah. I think, six above 650, like 680 or something against Stanford, yeah, night it, number one. It's to the point where I'm going to hire a lawyer and we're going to sue Long Beach State for taking the joy out of men's volleyball this season. <laughs> because it, it, yeah. it, it's just gotten boring. I mean, think how crazy this is. Long Beach State beat Stanford. If he has added up the total points, 75 to 45, hit 600, and we're all sure. just talking like, yeah, regular night in the gym. Like any other year, we'd be like talking about how Stanford is, you know, they're in absolute chaos. This was horrible. This was a choke job. And we're just like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Adam Johnson wants to know what percentage chance it is for USC, his alma mater, to win the national title this year. Uh, the answer is they have to go through Long Beach State. I don't know. what What's your percentage for USC this year? Robbie. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to be more the half-full kind of guy, and I'd like to say every team has a shot. But not only do you get to go through Long Beach State, but if you end up with Hawaii – who is actually leading the nation this year in hitting percentage at 483 with Long Beach State behind them at 451. It's slim to none. So, uh, sorry, Adam. Ooh. Love Watch is a player. Ooh. Huge respect for you. Ooh. But there's just way too many weapons on the Big West side of, of play here. And, um, you know, seeing both those teams play in action and watching SC, it's like it's the rest of the conference, the rest of volleyball is so inconsistent from – you know, three onto like, let's say seven, eight in that range. And even those teams aren't going to match up to Hawaii and Long Beach. Yeah. And I mean, I would be okay. And I love college women's volleyball. I live for this time of year. Bracketology's coming out. I'd be okay if the NCAA came out and said, based on what we've seen the first two months, we're good. <laughs> you see, or Long Beach State, Hawaii, best of seven series. We'll solve this. <laughs> Pro so, style. Yeah. Nice play. Like, yeah. like, I'm going to do just a decree, come on out. Like, in the rest of you, if you want to play the rest of your season for fun, go at it. Man. But, I mean, 
I'm looking <laughs> forward. I, I'm looking forward to TNL fight night at this point. Espero versus Johnson on the undercard. I think that's going to be really good. Just kind of, you just kind of shots fired over Adam Johnson right there by Robbie Espero. Slim to none. Hey, yeah, my team's in that mix too. So. Wow. Yeah. But slim means there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. And there's a chance. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and I will say this: USC is the only team to have taken a set. Yeah. Off of Long Beach State this season. Still, at this point, I wondered if that had continued. I hadn't d- dove deep into the stats. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, let's look forward, guys, unless we have anything from this past week that we missed, things we should talk about. You, you, you know, j- just the one thing to keep an eye on, and this, you know, just keep an eye on that final at-large bid situation. You okay. know, Long Beach State, Hawaii, one of them's going to get Pepperdine kind of fell on their face a little bit. UC Irvine has fallen on their face, and it's really yeah, opened yeah, the yeah. door for, and it's really opened the door for UC Santa Barbara if they can make some noise in the Big West to be in contention, which is just crazy given that you know they weren't on many people's radars to start the season. Yeah, at large potential. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, I just yeah. wanted to add here talking about the offensive numbers here, and this last week the Hawaii and Long Beach matches. So Hawaii played Pepperdine. And any team would be happy to say, hey, I, we hit 355. That's almost like a guaranteed victory for a team. But Hawaii hit 523 against Pepperdine. <laughs> right. So, well, and then Long Beach State hit 471 against St. Francis, and they hit 093. So you got two offensive juggernauts that no one has an answer for. So, yeah, Adam, love to see another team like Challenger, but it's just, you know, I'm, I got to be a realist. It's, it's not happening. <laughs> All right. Well, the fight night is happening, so start training now, Robbie. <laughs> Vinny, matches for this week. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to keep an eye on a couple of them. Yeah, you know, Ball State is playing Penn State. That's always an intriguing one, just for the historical significance of it. Also, Purdue Fort Wayne against Penn State. That should be a good one as well. I'm really intrigued, though. We um, swing on out to the MPSF big matches this weekend in BYU, as BYU is going to play host to Pepperdine. And UCLA, realistically, BYU, their only path to make the NCAA tournament this season is going to win the MPSF. And, I, you know, truthfully, it's borderline right now for Pepperdine if they have a shot to, to get an at-large bid. They may have to win as well. But also why this is intriguing, while UCLA has a two-match lead right now and they're in comfy, in comfy place, remember, they still have a match on the road against Pepperdine. So if UCLA loses a match this week either to BYU or Stanford and Pepperdine can run the table and pull out those two wins. Pepperdine's in pretty good shape to host, to win the MPSF regular season title and host the MPS tournament. That would be pretty big for that program. So very intrigued what's happening down at BYU. Then kind of continuing out West, you look at UC Santa Barbara, Long Beach State, you know, truthfully, I, you know, you, you want to get excited for a number one versus number three matchup, but yeah, I think everyone here is expecting it to be, a sweep Long Beach State. I don't think we're going to truly learn a lot about UC Santa Barbara unless they pull a crazy upset or push Long Beach State deep. I think the, the UC Santa Barbara match I'm most excited for coming up is going to be UC Santa Barbara versus UC Irvine in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a huge one with NCAA tournament implications. And then just continuing to go more and more at West. CSUN against Hawaii. Let's see if Hawaii can continue to take care of business against CSUN that they're not consistent, but you never know. They can catch lightning in a bottle every now and then. Every year they do it once or twice. I'm exactly. Surprised. And and they've only done it once this year, so they're due for a second time. I'm surprised you didn't say Louis Loyola. I'll be at that match. 
Oh, wait. Uh, am I seriously getting my schedule mixed up? I thought that's not until next week. I, I thought it was happening on Friday. Schedule. Well, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to – well, Louis Loyola as well. That's going to be another one. And jumping on that, I misread the schedule. That's on me. Is you it know, there? You look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if Lewis wins this one, which they should, they are in absolute strong contention to lock down the MIVA regular season title. And that's going to be a good thing because Romeoville, Illinois, is a very difficult place to go in and play. So let's keep an eye out on that one as well. It's uh, it's so good that I thought it was next week. But, no, it's, it's going to be a good match. I'm excited for, for that one. It's okay. I only know you know it, Vinny, because I'll be at the match. So, nice. all right. Are, are, are you, are you going to be on the call or just going as a fan? Oh, just I'm I'm there as a father of a recruit. Oh, hey. Oh, going to Lewis. That is my official capacity from Lewis. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes, Robbie. Awesome. Well, I've got to I've got to jump in on the match that will be known as the, the Net Live Challenge. That will be <laughs> Jay Hossick at from George Mason taking on Evan Barnett's Pepperdine Waves on oh. uh, Tuesday night. So. I got to watch that one just to see, you know, the, the interests that are involved that are going to be involved in that match. So definitely that one. Uh, anything where there's a at-large implication this week is are definitely ones to be watching. But Vinny touched them. I'm going to say uh, Pepperdine Stanford is also another one that I'm going to watch because it, it has potential for uh, at-large implications. But uh, UCLA plays at BYU. I agree on that one. But Pepperdine also goes out to play at BYU. So. Those are the ones I'll be really keeping track of. And Long Beach State and Santa Barbara, that series is, I want to see how Santa Barbara matches up with Long Beach. Um, because although they are good, I just think at each position, physicality-wise, they're not going to match up very well. So I see it being a 3-1 Long Beach. So, yeah. But, oh. but, <laughs> All right. Yeah. And and I'm just going to add one, one thing as well, Go, going off the talking about George Mason. If you – are a fan of a West Coast team, you are praying like no other that George Mason does well and they win the EIVA championship. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I had a great opportunity to talk to the selection committee chairman, Lenny Kaplan, last week. We were chatting a little bit about the 400-mile rule that goes into play. And one of the big things they emphasized uh. about the committee was, hey, you don't want teams traveling cross-country to play matches. And that comes in huge when we start talking about bracket placement and everything. So there is a chance if George Mason doesn't win the EIVA, you look at all the other EIVA teams, they are more than 400 miles away from Barton, which will likely win the conference Carolinas. And why is that 400 mile rule important? That's because if it's more than 400 miles, NCAA has to pay for a flight as opposed to busing. So hmm. just get ready, folks. There could be a chance if George Mason doesn't win that you could have a UC Irvine versus UCLA play-in match, and Barton and the EIVA champion would be in the field of six. Just get ready for that. I'm totally get brace. I'm bracing everyone for it now. Hot takes on the net we live today. We'd like to see that, right? UC Irvine, UCLA, because they've been playing over this year. I want to yeah. throw something right now <laughs> because <laughs> I because I know Vinny's right, and it's the dumbest thing ever. Oh, I agree. I agree. One thousand percent. And I do want to say, when I'm coming on here talking about this, I am not advocating for this. I'm just saying, reading between <laughs> the lines, yourself. seeing how the, how the rules are, and I completely agree with you, Kevin. Dumbest thing ever. Truthfully, let's. I mean, you. Let's add another team. Let's make it eight, or even keep it at seven. 
give only the top seed a bye, have all three teams come and play that Tuesday playing match. You can play three matches in a day at a venue. It is possible. If you're, it is possible. If this comes to fruition, if it actually happens, the one saving grace is the absurdity of it all will be ammunition to drag another few thousand dollars out of the NCAA to put into the championship because it will delegitimize the, the national title. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's atrocious. Yeah, and, and I do want to say as well for, for the committee, the committee is also, at, you know, there is also, there's bylaws and rules that they have to follow. Not in the selection process. Nope. The 400-mile rule doesn't affect the teams in the field, but when it comes to the seeding and stuff, that that's when it comes into play. So it's not nope. even on the, hmm. the selection nope. committee as well. Nope. I will, I will still be mad at the selection committee. <laughs> you well, cannot take my fury off of them. Yes. <laughs> I just want to point out that when Kevin said he wanted to throw something, he was looking at me weird. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks very much. Vinny, thanks for making the time with your 9 to 5. No, bro. Appreciate Th- you jumping thank on. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Robbie. Thank All you, right. guys. And right, somewhere, somewhere Jay Hasek is getting a rental car quickly so that he can get to the beach. And yeah, we'd say thanks to Jay, but yeah. he didn't really do anything. No thanks, me. Jay. <laughs> No thanks. No thanks to you. Hey, guys, sorry I can't be on the show. I'm at the rental car place. <laughs> you know what I do? I just let it go to voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks to those guys. Thanks to the American Volleyball Coaches Association for their support of the show and their support of College Volleyball Weekly. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, good morning to Cameron Irwin. Oh, hi, Cam. It's not morning for much longer, but <laughs> thanks. she's not on board with the thanks time for, change. Thanks for chiming in. <laughs> wonder if she just was up late, like, street racing with her Hemi that she had over the weekend. Yeah, there was some braggadociousness going on uh, about mm-hmm. her rental car compared to what you've had lately. You better believe when I have that car, those cars, they come back with a little less tire life than they started with. That's the one where they ask you if you want insurance and you just giggle and you say, yes, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because you guys are going to need it. Uh, I want to touch on something before we go. Uh, you know how to take the reservation. <laughs> Maybe just take uh, James Wilroy, who's been on this show before, Work for Data Volley USA. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, he's been responsible for many of the stats that you've seen throughout the years mm-hmm. on World League and at Olympic Games as well. He works for Data Volley, and they have developed a new system called Video Check. It's been in use for about six years in Italy, but it made an appearance this past weekend at Long Beach State. Okay. It's a replay system, and part of some of these companies trying to drag volleyball in the United States into the middle 90s. So they could actually use replay. Thank you very much. Appreciate you doing that. And finally, a domestically available replay system that isn't using a frame rate of 12 and the resolution of my 1991 black and white television. Uh, I appreciate that. So they have a very interesting system. I've seen a lot of the replays. He sent me some video files of it. Super fast. You can see it. It's well lit. The cameras are positioned properly for volleyball. And something that, that I think will do an outstanding job. Long Beach State, it was in action this past weekend. Uh, the system is between fifteen and twenty-five thousand. This is, um, to so purchase. Ju- just to clarify, so the school would purchase that and put it in their building permanently, not the network. Correct. Ha- would have this for their matches. No, no, it would be present for. Would be present for the. Got it. I'm with you. If the school would the school would have it. Got it. I'm with you. Costs about six thousand dollars a year to run. I guess probably for licenses and software and everything else. Uh, I I really like what I've seen so far. 
they're working to to bring down costs, of course, because it's still yeah. new to this marketplace. But um, it has some potential because you can actually run the replay to your video board, which is great. So the fans can see it. Yeah. So when there is a challenge, you take up that time. One of the one of the big questions always is with the time. Well, all right, we're we're wasting this time. Well, what are the fans going to do during the time they get disengaged? No, you can put no. it on the video board. They're going to watch on the video board. They're going to wait for that. They're going to yeah. see it, and you can sponsor it. And so you can have Joe's Pizza up there if you want. Is there a website people can go to? Because there's lots of questions now on the uh, – I know James is listening. I'll get him to uh, to throw it up there. I, I don't know, James, they're asking if you have – or if I can post some of the videos you sent me or if you can you have a website with some of the videos from this past weekend. It was used at World League in 14 and 15. It's internationally approved. Uh, it took a long time for the international game too to stop using low frame rates and low resolution. Well, also that doesn't help you with how fast the game is these days. If it's a low, like if you're looking for like a touch on the block, and it's right. all grainy and stuff, like what's well, the, at, the, at that point? What's the point? The point is, and I didn't know this. They're using systems that are designed for football and basketball that the schools already own or have installed that are for 25 mile an hour sports. Yeah. You're talking about a 75-mile-an-hour yeah. sport. You need more. But but to me, also, it makes no sense because it's not like frame rate and resolution is expensive nowadays. It's not like, was okay, this- I have standard, but then if I want to do really nice video, well, then it's 100 times more expensive. That Like like the cost of memory, that difference has gone like this. Yeah. What's probably implementing it would be sure. the cost, right? He said, uh, yes, I can post. I'll post some of the videos I have. Um, he said, uh, it's 10% the cost of Hawkeye, which is interesting. And it's a modular. So you set up, tear it down with your volleyball setup. Oh, nice. So when you put the poles out, put out your game stuff, you're putting out that, that system. So uh, the stuff I've seen I really like. He tells me that the cameras are used for industrial verification in things like machining. So in cutting equipment to verify actual uh, accuracy. Cool. So, yes, I would like him to sponsor the show, and uh, I would like to see some video check cameras in with my CNC. Uh, I think it's it's terrific progress for the game. Would BYU purchase one of these? No, they will not. Was that this past week or two weeks ago? Oh, this week it was an issue again. But it was a couple weeks ago with Stanford, yes. And then my question on that. It's been an issue actually for the last month. Yeah, yeah, but my question on, so the video I sent, as a joke to you and one Rich Lamborn who is a BYU alum. Yeah. The in regular motion, the camera's at the inline. Yeah. So you're watching the serve come at you. The ball is two, three feet inbounds. Two feet's a good estimate, yeah. Okay. By it's not slow down, this is normal game action. It's about four feet from the lines person. <laughs> The lines person calls it out in favor of BYU. Like, fine, whatever. Like, human error. No, that- not fine. <laughs> I'm trying to... Not whatever. <laughs> it was so blatantly in, Kevin. So blatantly in. But my question to get back to that is, the controversy on that was because there was a challenge was used for that play, which overturned, obviously, because the ball was... Ridiculously in. I mean, not even... There's if no, you haven't seen it, no question that ball was inbounds. It's on MPSF even, bias Twitter. Yeah, it was. It was so inbounds. The two BYU, the Libero and the outside hitter, both looked at each other like, "Oh man, I can't believe we let that go." The their only, body language told you the ball was in. The only call I've ever seen that is worse than that call was Kansas and Texas. Yeah, at Texas. 
Ball called out. It's in by four feet. They didn't have replay. And I actually spoke a year ago, December, at the officials conference. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that call and how ludicrous it was. Yeah. After we were done with the conference, standing outside having a bagel, guy walks up. <laughs> Why was the bagel an important part of that story? <laughs> <laughs> I'm painting the picture for oh, those I that got are the, on the I podcast. I got the picture. Yeah. Just I may have had some pineapple too. On the bagel? No. Oh, it's, okay. It's gross and weird. People put pineapple on pizza, bro. I'll eat it there too, but I'll eat anything on pizza almost, except except green peppers. That's stupid. Not pizza anymore. And don't put walnuts in brownies. It's <laughs> You're ruining a perfectly good food. I don't I, I don't If want I wanted walnuts, <laughs> I would eat walnuts. I don't want any nuts in my dessert. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. So I'm having my bagel. <laughs> I've got my plate of pineapple waiting for round two. Mm-hmm. I will have water in between. And guy walks up, says I'm the one who made that call at Texas. Oh, I think you told me this. What did he What did he say? He, he just said, I just wanted to say hello. I said, <laughs> that was a really bad call. It happens. It Look, was the worst call I've ever seen in 30 years of volleyball. Who knows what's going through people's minds. But my <laughs> to get to my real question about your stupid okay. bagel, I don't even remember why I started this conversation. <laughs> but I was reading it, and it was people were discussing the challenge rules. You only have X amount of challenges. You have three challenges. You get an extra one in five, but you use them. Yes, but somebody said if you use a challenge... It goes away. It goes away, period. It's not like the international game where if you're right, you keep it. Would you be into the if you're right, you keep it? Yes. Because part of... Especially at BYU. Because part of that video was they were saying because the head coach used a challenge on that play, it couldn't use one later that was... For this, a, the match. Yes, for the match. Yes. Whew. The, the suspect refereeing has been going on at BYU since I was a player. And referees make mistakes both ways. Sure. I would love to see a research project of BYU matches to find out how many times bad calls go the way of BYU. Who can we contact at Stanford to do this (laughs) research? It's a good point. Because even back to when I played, Ryan Millar turns a ball three feet out of bounds. (laughs) And they call it in. Three feet. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't even close. If if I was emotionally in, involved in those matches, I would lose my mind. But because I'm not, the audacity of how far this ball that I saw was in that was called out is unbelievably funny to me. The This is not just me, by the way. There was actually a formal grievance filed by Al Skates not against one match, mm-hmm. but against refereeing in general at BYU. And for a while, they were flying people in. Hmm. They are not anymore is my understanding. Yeah. Now, if I am wrong, please someone contact me. They're live at gmail.com. Let me know. I have enjoyed many people from BYU. One Rich Lamborn. In the volleyball world. Who is on the show a lot. I'm telling you right now that that is out there, that people feel like the refereeing is in favor of BYU when you are playing in Provo. And it's a almost universal situation. But there is no scientific proof. If they had the replay system there, if they, if they get video check at BYU and then they have unlimited challenges, then we will see. Uh, one Rich Lamborn, who is a BYU alum. <coughs> yes. In the group text I sent to you both. <laughs> yes. With uh, 
said video. His response was, that service clearly out. <laughs> I don't know what you two ladies are talking about. <laughs> Crying emoji. Crying <laughs> laughing emoji. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. If that, that is- call is something that happens on a regular basis at BYU, that is. <laughs> there is a feeling out there that that oh, is the man. case. Now. Maybe it's I, the altitude. Maybe the altitude gets to the referees. I can only tell you. Especially for the up ref. You're even up that much higher than everybody else, Kevin. My experience as a player is that calls are going their way. Now, how reliable is that information with me as a player? Yeah, you're the opponent. Probably sure. not reliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you that that I have been told by the man, that he, Alice Gates, that he filed that grievance. I can tell you that other coaches around the United States, I have talked to them on multiple occasions about this, and they feel that the refereeing is definitely biased towards BYU. I can tell you right now that if I'm BYU, I'm saying no way that's happening. Of course. <laughs> so I, I'm not – do not do not mistake this for me pooping on BYU because no, I don't have any scientific evidence to prove it. I can only tell you that Ryan Millar's ball nearly cleared the extended 10-foot line that's outside the, the sideline. And they called it in. <laughs> that is so, man. That is, it is highly entertaining to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. <clears throat> I'm I'm not still mad about it. Anyways, back to video check. Uh, that ball is <clears throat> in. I watched oh. it. I watched it again. That ball is. In, I mean, and she is definite. Like looking at it, and yeah, immediately out. There is oh. no hesitation. Oh my gosh, it's so great. It is next to the Texas call. The most. Horrendous call I now, have seen on video. Could it be one of those things where you're a referee at BYU and you hear all of this stuff, and somehow it's just subconsciously in you, and you're just doing it without thinking about There's it? There's a club there, and many people are a member of the club. <sighs> all right, the video is. I, I literally, when I saw it, I was yeah. tearing up. I was like, "No way!" The ref called that out. Yeah, look it up, people, and then then you can the tell BYU me. players. Their body language is telling you that the ball is in. And not just barely. No. It was, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely uh, amazing. Video check, 19 cameras set up at Long Beach. See, I mean, you're getting some bang for your buck here. Uh, 12 camera minimum if you're going to buy the system. Cameras are 180 frames per second, which is fantastic, nice. by yep. the way, and 1080p. The touch, the touch cameras are 155 frames a second. So that's outstanding. Uh, and the resolution is saying 90 to 120 seconds. So that's also faster than what's been going on. Mm-hmm. We had something that was close to a five-minute delay this year earlier in a women's match where they looked at the replay. went on forever. Because they couldn't tell. Yeah, because I've seen it. Listen, I have basically, at one of my broadcast positions two years ago, I was sitting here, and the replay booth was here. I leaned right into the replay booth. I'm yeah. watching what they're looking at. Yeah. It is poor resolution. Yeah. And it is... Also, then, big big frame, like uh, l- large frame rate, small frame rate yeah. is the way to put it. So, like, the ball is here, yeah. then the ball is here. Correct. Come and on. then how is the referee supposed to make a decision other than, I can't tell, so I have to go they to can call zoom that's on the in. floor. Yeah. They've reversed things that I've seen the zoom in and seen. I, I can't tell you how you made that reversal, but I'm not over there in the booth, so I don't I don't always know the answer. Ah, that was a good laugh. I needed that. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have some other friends in Utah. They run Tall Slim Tees, Dan DeCuster and crew, tallslimtees.com. Code volleyball gets you 10% off. All the length, none of the width. Listen, th- these are great shirts for all the Tall Slim people you know in your life. If you're in the volleyball world, you have Tall Slim friends. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So do them a solid. 
get them a shirt, get them a dress shirt. They have ties now. They have a lot, a, a whole diverse set of clothing. And Jeff Nygaard, who was a guest on the show earlier, would love a gift of a tall slim tee. Send him one from listener because he is a tall slim dude. Yeah, if you're not in a position to commit an NCAA violation, then send a shirt to Jeff Nygaard, please. Yeah, who uh, USC Athletic Department care of Jeff Nygaard? Yeah, or Jeff Nygaard care of USC. Also, the hat I am currently wearing. Oh, which I have now leaned into the camera. I know someone who just bought one of these. You do? Mm-hmm. Anybody I know? Kyle Walton. Oh yes, Kyle did. Yeah, saw that today. Uh, these hats are now available. They, uh, I made them for myself. It's my DJ logo, yeah. and then somehow they became popular when we were in Minneapolis this year for the f- women's volleyball Final last four? last four remaining teams. <laughs> uh, people on the street, because Lambor and I were walking down the street, yelled at me across the street, asking me when they were going to be available again. So cool. I thought that was pretty and, cool. And you have Laker colors, uh, purple and gold, Kevin. I'm sorry, you oh. have purple and gold available. Correct. Not anyone's particular colors, just purple and it gold. It could be. like uh, uh, Lots of people have those colors. I'm just not trying to uh, get sued by anybody. Maybe you're a big Sparks fan. I don't yeah. know. Those are limited edition because once they're gone, they're that's it. Uh, I don't I don't recall seeing you purchase them. <laughs> on, uh, if you want ready. a free hat, contact one Nicole Ruscha. Oh. She will let you know if you get one for free or not. Oh. Because she got mad, not mad at me. Uh, Giving away too many hats? Yeah. Which yeah. is tough because like, I like everybody, right, most people. Right. Um, if you go to djrochet.com, click on merch, it'll take you right there. Cool. djrochet.com. It's R-O-U-E-C-H-E. <laughs> just, just to be clear from the other just, spellings that yes, have been thrown out yes. on the show. I know. My name is actually, yeah, LSU yeah. colors. I mean, it's all kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Mardi Gras just happened. Fat Tuesday. I Perfect. I, I saw know. someone with uh, the Ash Wednesday thing on their forehead, a little burned cork or whatever. Were they also celebrating? I saw this joke on TV. Uh, 21 Savage. If you know who the rapper is, you'll I, I do know who 21 Savage is. You'll get the joke. Is. Yes. Uh, I believe I get the joke, but probably not. It's fine. I want to thank... No, there's an E in there, Patrick, after the U. R-O-U-E. Yeah. C-H-E. Correct. I want to thank DJ Rochet for coming over. I want to thank uh, College Evolved Weekly, Rob and Vinny. Uh, no thanks to Jay today. Uh, but <laughs> plenty of thanks for him for other weeks and hope he has a nice week out here out west. Uh, thanks to James Woolroy of Video Check for sending along some stuff uh, from Databolly, developers of Databolly. We appreciate it. Uh, congratulations to Long Beach on their continued fantastic run. Congratulations to all the U.S. teams that had good finishes and a nice start to the 2019 season, as well as some medals down there in Sydney. Hopefully that continues as Olympic qualification is moving forward. Look forward to some of those matches this week. BYU hosting Pepperdine UCLA. UC Santa Barbara, Long Beach State. I'm looking forward to that one. I will miss it. We were going to go. And instead, I'll be at Lewis, looking forward to Lewis and Loyola with my son out on a visit in Chicago. As a father of a recruit. Father of a recruit. New role for me. New role. Life is just moving along for you, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Live, boys and girls. We appreciate you being here. And we will be back uh, next week. Yeah. Next Monday with another show. Fresh from Vegas for me. Oh. Fresh from Chicago for me. Hey, yo. We'll be jet-setting for the show. Sweet. All right, kids. That'll do it.